Welcome back to Podcast 85 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Osbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Osbreakers. This episode is brought to you by ShotQualityBets.com. For a different perspective in betting college basketball, please visit ShotQuality. Use the promo code ODDS23. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to support the Osbreakers and benefit from our plays, please visit theosbreakers.com, click shop and become a member, pick any of our winning handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com, and if nothing else, please visit the Osbreakers and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. Another crazy weekend of sports, my friends. We had our conference championships for college football. We have had our NFL <laughs> A heavy dose of NFL this week. And now it's on to the next week. I did okay. I was seven and eight in the NFL uh, last yesterday. I mean, terrible in my contest plays. I kind of wish that some of my individual bets that I still kind of liked, I put in the contest instead of the losers. That happens. Hit a couple, well, hit a parlay, hit a teaser, lost one teaser. Just kind of the way it goes, but we're still killing it in the NFL at 58%. And college football, not as good. Uh, we were three for five, I believe, on the weekend for college college football. And uh, college basketball started out with a nice winner on Friday, two winners on Saturday, and one and two on Sunday with just a half point lost in college basketball. But college basketball is rolling, and that's going to be a big subject coming in on the odds breakers every single week, probably from mostly January, but a little bit from here on out. We're actually going to probably focus more on college basketball for the podcast coming up on Thursday, being that we just have the Army-Navy game coming up this weekend. So I'm going to start with a little recap in the NFL and college football and then get to a few listener questions. Starting out with the conference championships, I mean, looking at USC, really, really screwed their chances for making the college football playoffs. We knew that game was a playoff game for them. And after a 17-3 start, they absolutely shit the bed. 17 points in the first half, zero in the, set, in the third quarter, right? And, and, and Utah only scored seven in the third quarter to go up by a touchdown, but then 23-7 to in the fourth. I mean, lots of... Went into that, though. Uh, Caleb Williams was banged up after the first quarter, and USC lost their best lineman, a left tackle, in the first quarter, as well as another lineman later. I think that greatly affected them. They actually had to switch positions after that first quarter, so they were up 17-3. to My thoughts were, hmm, I don't like the left tackle gone. I'm going to want to hedge back at halftime. Well, unfortunately, they choked away two touchdowns, uh, after they were up 17-3, to which tied it up, which made a hedge pretty much impossible for me, being that I was on the USC side. So that was very difficult. And not just the injuries. There's a couple other reasons why they lost this game. First of all, their defense was terrible, and you have to give a lot of credit for the Utah Utes and Whittingham because Whittingham outcoached Lincoln Riley. Cameron Rising was 
fantastic. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, 22 for 34, 310 yards. And USC's defense was just like, uh, you know, people kind of knew. I just thought that their offense should be able to score uh, more than Utah's offense. I thought Utah would have a few hiccups, but apparently Utah's hiccups were just in the first quarter. USC's hiccups were the rest of the game. Lincoln Riley choked in that, and maybe it was because of the Caleb Williams injury, but Caleb Williams was running all over them. And then all of a sudden, he got sacked a bunch of times. And didn't even try to run the ball. Maybe he was banged up then. But I'm like, what are you doing, Lincoln? Um, You're throwing the ball when Utah is one of the worst rushing defenses in the whole league. And I I thought right in the second quarter, he started getting out coached. So unfortunately for Trojans fans, uh, it blew their chances. And unfortunately for the Pac-12, once again, you do not have anybody representing you in the college football playoff. But hey, let's face it. This is the first time since the college football playoff era that Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban are both not in it. Usually at least one of them are in it. Most of the time, both coaches are in it. So I find that pretty interesting in itself. The committee got it right. They got it right based on the teams that, the four teams that should be in, in my opinion. But, I mean, there's still some problems with the playoffs, right? TCU lost their final game, but they still deserve a better seed more than Ohio State. But does Georgia deserve to play Ohio State? I'm going to get into that uh, a little bit later here in the next segment. Going back to college football, Georgia easily handled LSU. And, I mean, LSU did put up 30 points. They put up 20 of those points in the second half. You have to face it. That was probably some garbage time. But this thing went way over the total of, like, 54. Remember, there was sharp money on the over on that one, and the sharp money was correct. But uh, it was just one of those situations where LSU was completely outclassed by a much better team. You know, Georgia was just a better team. And, unfortunately, for uh, their quarterback – Stetson Bennett, he's never going to get the credit. Four touchdowns, no interceptions, 274 yards, 23 for 29, and he's still not a Heisman candidate. Are you kidding me? (laughs) It just absolutely blows my mind. Jaden Daniels went out, and then Garrett Neusmeyer went in and actually threw 294 yards himself. But we have to admit, lots of those yards were during garbage time. Georgia definitely the number one seed and much deserving of it. Michigan-Purdue. Purdue kind of put a little scare into Michigan, I guess. I think they did jump Michigan a little bit in the beginning, but I'm just kicking myself right now, not betting Michigan in the second half, not giving it out anyway. Michigan always adjusts better than every other team. That's just another reason why Jim Harbaugh is a very good coach, and then they just ended up putting on the points, just like you saw against USC. You saw Michigan do that against Indiana, All the teams pretty much that they played, they did that. And no surprise, they ended up covering the spread 43-22 to themselves. So lots of people were on Purdue this week, and uh, Michigan took over. Uh, Kansas State, TCU. I had TCU by a half a point, but I leaned Kansas State in the game. I didn't play the game. Kansas State, seven points in the first, 
seven points in the second, seven points in the third, and seven points in the fourth. It's tied up. Uh, TCU with an amazing comeback there at the end. Max Duggan, just a class act. The kid is just a, a, a winner. Uh, tons of passion. But, you know, the interception he threw, the fumble that happened wasn't quite enough to beat the Wildcats in this situation. And, you know, I mean, TCU got so many coin flips this year, as you saw. They're maybe due for one, not getting one. Actually, as a sports better, we shouldn't even say do because it's always the same chances every single time. So I hate having to say he was due. But anyways, they did get caught up with variance and uh, Kansas State ended up beating them. Uh, and Kansas State defense was a little bit more stout, I would say. But uh, offense, pretty equal. Kansas State running game was what really helped them rushing for uh, 205 yards. Will Howard made some big plays when he had to. But that fourth down, and J.J. Watt tweeted about this, that fourth down when you're taking a a snap here at the goal line, why are you taking it five yards back? I've complained about that many times on this show that why do you not go up to the center? It's one of the most successful plays you can have fourth and inches, and you move yourself five yards back, allowing the defense to punch through. It just absolutely blows my mind that coaches don't know this. I see the Bears do this. I see most teams that run shotgun not adjust to this. Absolutely terrible uh, taking a snap five yards back when you can be taking it on the goal line and getting a quarterback sneak there. It That lost the game for them. They would have scored the touchdown, and then Kansas State would have had the pressure on them. But at the same time, I'm still glad TCU is in, and I'm still glad they're a number three seed because the committee did not punish them for that. Tulane, how about that? What an awesome game for Tulane. They get to win the American. They're probably like 30-1 to 1 or 25-1 to 1 before the season started to win this. Massive credit for Tulane. Funny, they did beat Kansas State this year, so there's all these funny little memes popping up that Tulane should be in the playoffs. But um, seriously, maybe let's wait till uh, the playoff is 12 teams <laughs> before we start going the, going that far. But uh, two loss, Tulane did a fantastic job. I thought UCF made an amazing catch down 10 points. They're about to go in and cover that spread, but the officials completely took that away from them. I thought for no reason whatsoever on speculation that the ball hit the ground, even though you don't see it. Plus, but the crazy thing about that is that it was called a catch on the field. So how do you, it, it, sometimes they make their own rules and this was in Tulane. It was a home game for Tulane. So that's the reason for the bias, but that doesn't mean Tulane wouldn't have won this game anyway. It just factored in to the spread itself. I had Toledo plus 400, and I was happy that they won, but I also had a bet on Ohio plus four and a half. I was hoping for a nice little middle there, and it didn't work out. But, you know, same situation with Utah-USC. I had Utah plus 250 to win the Pac-12. Uh, but in this situation, I thought Ohio would do a little bit better with their backup quarterback. They really didn't. They couldn't move the ball against a eh, poor, let's just say, a not terrible but poor Toledo defense. And Toledo did one thing that they didn't do really all year long, turn the ball over. 
That's how they're losing the games. It was still only 17-7, to but I thought C.J. Harris would have a little bit more into him than that. Through the interception, only 163 passing yards. You can see how green he looked himself. And then Daquan Finn came back. He was kind of questionable throughout the week. So I really considered a buyback, but it got to three too fast before I got it. And I'm like, why am I buying back three to four and a half? Not a positive EV move by any means. Was just going to hope that... Toledo wins by three, and I win both bets, but that did not happen for me. Uh, the Troy-Coastal Carolina game, that was an absolute embarrassment. Uh, I saved this one for the next segment. We had a nice win with Fresno State against Boise State. Fresno State 28-16. to Just like I said, everything in the handicap came to fruition. Jay Kaner being back for Fresno. 184 yards, 17 for 27, one touchdown. It's all he needed. Uh, Taylor Green making the freshman mistakes. Like I said, two interceptions. It, this handicap was pretty much how I talked about it on this podcast last week. So I was really happy about that one. And then, of course, uh, the Clemson, North Carolina. I don't know how many people paid attention to this game because I really didn't. But North Carolina went up seven to nothing, and the rest was history. Uh, Clemson won thirty nine to ten. Dabo Sweeney, the better coach, had the better speech to them. And North Carolina is just the last three weeks have been completely putrid, just bad, all kinds of bad. And uh, I, it makes you wonder. Drake May, two interceptions, no touchdowns, twenty six for forty two. Why he had that little slump here? I'm hoping the kid comes back strong next year and i do remember his brother uh for north carolina destroying my illinois ticket in the championship i think in like 2005 uh 2006 for north carolina basketball so i do i do remember that uh pretty well on to the no fun league starting with the bills patriots i'm upset with myself for not taking the bills my numbers were suggesting it at minus three and a half i chickened out and uh they won comfortably (laughs) Uh, Patriots scored seven points in the first quarter and really couldn't score again until that field goal at the very end. So that was just an utter domination. It was just uh, the Bills could have scored more if they wanted, in my opinion. So Bears-Packers, they obviously the elephant in the room for me. Well, it's great for me because I have the Bears under six and a half wins, and I just need one more loss of the Bears to uh, have that one come into fruition. But... uh the Packers just won at the very end. I mean, they're down 19-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter, and the Bears completely choked it away. Fields threw two interceptions. One of them wasn't his fault. It was Equimus St. Brown just being lazy on a route. I'm like, dude, help your young quarterback out. And then Jari Alexander, a Pro Bowl corner, pretty much uh, took an easy interception with the stunt there. Uh, he pretty much just you know jumped the route, which is what, exactly what I would do. But you have to admit that Justin Fields did pretty well. 20 for 25, 254 yards, ran for a touchdown. And it's not his fault that uh, that interception happened, but the other one was. But at the same time, if you look at the players that Justin Fields has around him, they're terrible. I mean, for the most part, they're very, very bad. And so... Getting better players at least should make him a good quarterback. And the Bears have a like a hundred and fifteen million in cap space, where I think the next best team is at sixty five million. 
to go ahead and purchase some players next year to help out the old Bears. So I'm actually still very excited about the Bears. I really wish we could have got this win against the Packers. I still was confident in my under six and a half even when we got this win. So this was like, just win this one and lose the rest and improve your draft pick. But the Bears should be able to get a great pass rusher. Probably like Will Anderson from Alabama, because I can't imagine the Texans going pass rusher after what Kyle Allen did this week. I mean, let's, let's just talk quick about this. And I've saved this for the next segment, to be honest with you. I think you know what I'm talking about. But uh, Kyle Allen was so bad that the Texans won, or sorry, the Texans couldn't cover a seven or an eight point spread with the other team scoring less than a touchdown on offense. They scored one field goal and they still didn't cover an eight point spread. That's how bad Lovey Smith is with the Texans. I believe Lovey is like 26th in 71. I heard on VEASAN this morning as a coach after the Chicago Bears. You know, people still say that Lovey is, uh, you know, a good coach. And it blows my mind because I, as a Bears fan, I watched Lovey in 2005, 2004, 2006, getting to that Super Bowl had nothing to do with him and as a matter of fact i think that his presence there might have even hurt him a little bit more Erlacher and mike brown and lance briggs were pretty much the coaches of that team and lovey is proving it even a guy like nathaniel hackett i have to rank above lovey smith come on don't bullshit me steelers falcons that was a very close game the Falcons should have been up 20 to 19, but had a holding penalty, holding penalty negate Cordero Patterson's touchdown run. Very disappointing. And that hold, the guy was backpedaling and it looked like a hold from the ref's angle, but you couldn't see it. Wasn't really anything different than they do every single day. That was just brutal for a team that already struggles in the red zone so that was one of my losses as well as one of my contest losses and if you look to the next game the lions versus the jaguars the lions were my sixth one in the contest and i completely got burned on that one because um i bet the lions and won easily against the jaguars and everything i said came to fruition but the reason I didn't use them for the contest is I thought the Jaguars were a little bit metrically better than the Lions. But what I didn't factor in is the Lions being a better team than what their metrics show based upon that period of time where their receivers and offensive linemen were out. So kicking myself for that one. Glad I won the play. One play that also killed me was the Vikings against the Jets. And I did take the Jets. Had good line value on it. And the Vikings ended up winning 27 to 22 in the most lopsided box score I've ever seen uh, for this year, as far as yardage anyways. So I get into that coming up here soon as well. Commanders versus the Giants. This game deserved to be tied 20 to 20. You know, um, the Giants really had a lead for a long time. And at the very end, Heineke was able to get that touchdown to tie it up against the Giants. But once overtime hit, both teams just completely staled out and uh, couldn't get a field goal or a touchdown, thus ending in a tie. My handicap was pick them on this too, so I probably should have took the Giants plus two and a half. I got to tell you, I'd like to see the numbers of all the plus two and a half dogs here. I feel that plus two and a half has uh, been hitting pretty well. I think if it's not on a three, there's a reason why 
it's at two and a half in the first place. Titans Eagles, strong lean to the Eagles for me. Got talked off it by a lot of respected betters that I saw take the Titans. I instead parlayed the Eagles on the money line with the Niners that ended up paying out. But I was very disappointed in myself for uh, not taking the Eagles minus four and a half and listening to the market. And I know I say this every week. I'm done listening to the market. I'm done listening to other sharp cappers. Yeah, I don't follow it. <laughs> I get stuck in pulling a team that I had written down as a number one play, top contest play, and boom, this is what happens. Broncos versus Ravens. Holy cow, Lamar Jackson getting hurt here. Very disappointing, but the Ravens saved the survivors by winning 10-9, to 9, but they should have won by more points than that, and I'll get to that in the next segment. Rams, Seahawks. Seahawks were kind of like the Jets in a way that they were way better than the Rams, but just could not punch it in in the red zone. And you saw the Rams defense yelling at each other, hyping each other up. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, my God, I am not going to be covering this six and a half, seven point spread, am I? And uh, never, never sniffed it because the Seahawks just aren't a good favorite type of bet. You know, they're a favorite team over three. that's not fun for the uh, Seahawks betters right there. Dolphins, Niners, awful news for Jimmy Garoppolo, as as the media is saying right now, out for the season. Wow, as the Niners had such bad luck. But I got to tell you, Brock Purdy kind of managed the game okay. Uh, 25 for 37, two touchdowns, one interception. Thank goodness that Tua threw two interceptions and they fumbled twice because this game... Uh, might have been lost by uh, a lot more than that if had those had that not happened. And it, that last two interception pick six took me over. So that was one coin flip that I did get this week. I'm also going to say that the officiating was actually decent this week. Normally, when the officiating is decent, I have a great week, but I did it. I had a underperforming week going seven and eight on Sunday. And the officiating was also good. So that's my bad. You know, I, my biggest problem with my Jets handicap that I ended up betting, Mike White. I, I couldn't trust Mike White to punch it in and be a red zone quarterback. And it, that came to fruition too. The best game was the Chiefs-Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are good. They're just very, very good. They're the best team in their division now, even with a healthy Lamar. I'm a little worried about my plus 200, but the, the at least the Ravens still have the easier schedule coming out. We'll see how this all comes into fruition, but the Ravens just being 8-5, and five, I believe, against, sorry, they're 8-4 and four against an 8-4 Bengals. It's going to be close because the Bengals still could win those big games. They do have to play. The Buffalo Bills, though, so that's going to test a lot of waters here for the Cincinnati Bengals. Can't wait for that game, by the way. Chargers, Raiders. I had the Raiders plus two and a half. I was a little worried when they got jumped seven to nothing, but you know, I'm like, I know that the Raiders are better than the Chargers. Are just, they just going to have one of their choke jobs? Well, no, they ended up winning and won pretty comfortably. The Chargers scored in the fourth quarter, but you kind of saw that the Raiders were probably safe in that situation. The Chargers had the ball back with like 20 seconds left deep in their 
own territory. So I felt pretty good about that. You didn't want the tie to happen and then the field goal to win it for them because I just had a plus two and a half on the Raiders. So that's one of them I'm glad I did use. But chicken down on the Raiders in the contest, I don't feel bad about that because the Raiders constantly screw me um, when I bet them. So just because I won this bet doesn't mean that I regret not putting them in the contest. And finally, the Colts versus the Cowboys. The Cowboys 54 to 19. 33 points in the fourth quarter. Are you serious? I mean, they're only up 21 to 19 after the third quarter, and the Cowboys just completely put it on them. But Matt Ryan helped them a little bit because I believe he threw a pick. Uh, no, he threw three picks. <laughs> so that's Matt Ryan football right there, and he fumbled the ball. So there you go. Uh, Mole Alley Cox fumbled it as well, but. Cowboys are just really good team, and I have them almost neck and neck here with the Eagles. I think I even give the Cowboys a slight, a slightest nod right now, but maybe when Dallas Goder comes back, that changes. I got to tell you, the, the Cowboys and the Eagles looking great. My season win totals that I took on the Cowboys over ten wins are looking really good, being that they're nine and three, and my Eagles season win totals over nine. I think almost hit itself. Man, I can't even think of a season win total that I've lost so far in the NFL. I'm going to have to dig for that, but I, I'm going to go back and do a little uh, season win total calculation on college football and the NFL to see where uh, I'm kind of coming out here. That brings us to our Monday mailbag. Got a great question from Alan Stoy. Wants to know about USC being only a one-point favorite and now they're actually like a one-and-a-half-point dog against Tulane New Year's Six Bowl, which is actually played on January 2nd, by the way, because New Year's is the Sunday football, and they don't want to compete against the NFL, and that's what happened back in, I believe, 2011 as well. Um, when the uh, New Year's Eve came up on Sunday, they moved the New Year's Six games to Monday the 2nd. So he he's like, why is this, why is this spread the way it is? What am I missing? And it's a great question, but there's three things really that I have to say why this spread is so low. Number one, we don't know who's going to play for USC. They could lose their top receivers, and that would be a big hit for them. They already lost Die, their best running back. That's the first reason. Also, the offensive line. Got to throw in the offensive line as well. Some of those guys might sit out. USC had a wonderful offensive line this year, and their left tackle just got hurt. So that's another thing. Number two, look at the situation they're in. They just got their hearts ripped out from them missing the college football playoff and losing the Pac-12 championship all in one day. Do they care about this bowl game that much to beat Tulane? The crappy thing about playing Tulane is that it doesn't benefit you really to beat them, yet losing to them is also embarrassing. (laughs) One of those situations why non-conference teams that are good like the UABs of the world weren't scheduled against good teams because that loss makes them look that much worse even though that team might be able to beat half of the power five schools well in this situation Caleb Williams he's got to come back next year he's not eligible for the NFL draft but do you also really want him to play this game I don't know probably But imagine if he tears an ACL, he's going to miss all of next year. So great questions kind of coming up here for uh, 
what what's going to happen for USC. And then finally, USC's defense is just absolutely piss poor. Tulane's defense is better than UFC's defense, USC. So there you go. I have Tulane as a solid team. A very, very solid team would beat a lot of Power 5 teams. I'll tell you where I have them ranked right now in my power ratings. Probably not as high as the uh, actual uh, playoff rankings or anybody like that, but you know mine go by straight power. Tulane uh, is... Number 29, Tulane is number 29 by power rating. So they're definitely a, a pretty solid team. USC in my power ratings is now number 12. But all those questions kind of bring them down to where the point spread would be pretty dang close. Great question, Alan. Next question is from Patrick Backus. He wants to know, about the Oregon UNC total 71.5 he says it seems too low well when he sent this this is right when the lines open so let me let me make sure it's still there um Oregon it's at 73.5 so yeah you're right it was too low <laughs> I I didn't want to jump on this right now because I am concerned for North Carolina um, and their state of mind a little bit too. They have not been scoring on offense. I would say right now a lean team total for sure on Oregon over as long as Bo Nix plays, you know. So this is another one of those situations. Not a New Year's Six Bowl. You wonder who's going to be sitting out for this game. So scratch my head. Wisconsin versus Oklahoma State is 51.5 too low. Well, uh, that's a great question because yes, it's too low. And that's why I told you to take it when uh, you asked me. And I really hope you did because it's down to 48.5. That was the only one I really had some thoughts on. I even think that 48.5 is probably a little too high for Wisconsin versus Oklahoma State. Wisconsin doesn't have a quarterback. Their backups also hurt. Mertz transferred away. They're just going to be running, running the ball. And their defense is probably going to be able to hold up enough against a bad Oklahoma State team that might not even be playing Spencer Sanders. I don't know about that. What's Spencer Sanders going to do in this situation? Why would he play this game? You know, I don't know. Does he think he has NFL shot? It's probably still too high. So good stuff. I did send that out yesterday. So going to actually make that my uh, free play as well for two stars. Take under 485 in the Wisconsin-Oklahoma State game. And uh, I, I think that's going to go lower and lower and lower. You're probably going to end up around 43.5 or 44 points when this thing is all said and done. Finally, Alabama minus 4.5 seems too low, he says, right now with no Bama opt-outs. We don't know who the Bama opt-outs are, right? But you have to understand that Alabama was kind of thinking that, yeah, they're going to throw us in the playoffs. They did have a good argument. I mean, they are a top-four team in the power ratings. Their argument was, hey, you know, they're banged up a little bit. They lost because of a two-point conversion and uh, the shootout versus Tennessee. And both were away games. Hell, yeah, they have a good argument. But it's just that the other ones have a better argument as far as more deserving. That sucks for Alabama. But at the same time, only five and a half. I need to find out who is playing for this team. And I also have to wonder if Kansas State guys are going to be going to the NFL here, too. This is a New Year's Eve Bowl, so this is going to be awesome. But uh, I think it's the first one of the uh, day at 10 a.m. as well, 11 a.m., depending on where you're at. But, I mean, I'm not touching this game with a 10-foot pole until two or three days before, or at least until I find out who's playing in it. The good, 
the bad and the ugly from the weekend. And we're going to start right out with Tulane as the good. Man, this team made it and nobody picked them. Everybody picked Houston in the beginning. Lots of people were on Cincinnati and look at Tulane coming up strong and winning the American Athletic Conference. That was good for the Green Wave. And also Sean King over at VSIN. Shout out to Sean King. He is obviously a Tulane alumni before he hit the NFL. So awesome for them. And congratulations to get that New Year's Six game versus USC. The next one I mentioned before, the Bengals offensive line just gets better and better. It was just such a great move for them to pay for their offensive line rather than trying to draft it. They were ready to win. They bought three guys, and it took a couple weeks to gel, as you saw in the beginning of the season, but now they're just looking fantastic. Another good thing for Badger fans and probably for Graham Mertz himself is him transferring. I don't have any ill will against him. He gets attacked big time by Badger fans, and that's just how fan bases are. But this is good for him too because now – him coming back and especially if he was starting again they would have him on such a short leash and now he can just try to re I guess invigorate his career somewhere else maybe like a Cal I was thinking maybe like a Virginia you know there's a there's some schools that might take him in the power five but definitely in the group of five conferences he could find himself a home so um, it's good for him to do that yeah, this point of his career, and I actually wish him the best. I really do hope he turns out and can make in the NFL someday. Uh, Purdue, I mean, they're good, and I'm really happy about Purdue, even though they lost to Michigan. They had some injuries themselves, and they made the uh, uh, Big Ten championship game. As you know, we had them plus 600 to win the West. So shout out to Purdue for at least getting there. But if you also look at basketball, they right now are the best team in the Big Ten. And I think they will continue to be the best team in the Big Ten throughout the whole year if they stay healthy. They look fantastic. They are sixth on Ken Palm right now. They beat Duke 75-56 to on a neutral. They beat Gonzaga 84-66. to Marquette 75-70. to That was fantastic. Another good was my Wisconsin Badgers beating Marquette. Speaking of Marquette, I mean, that's such a big rivalry that used to happen between Christmas and New Year's, but uh, the Badgers ended up taking them to overtime. Look, this Badger team, they can't hit the broadside of a barn. They only rank 264th in effective field goal percentage, but they play tough defense. They will pick up the pace against some other teams. That's why I bet the over in this and hit it nice and easily. But you got to give them a lot of credit for just having no like high talent, high recruits, and just able to win over and over again. They should be ranked after this week, being having wins against teams like Dayton, Stanford, USC, and Marquette. The next one is the Cowboys. Whew, they're good. I mean, you watch them play. They're very, very good. I, you got to give props to the Cowboys and them and the Eagles are fantastic in the NFC East, which was only two years ago where that was the worst division in football. The bad. USC losing their offensive linemen when playing their chances to get to 
the college football playoffs and their defense was bad because when bad things happen to the offense, you have to rely on your defense if you are a complete team. Also bad, Lamar Jackson's injury and Tua Tungaviola's injury. I am finding out Tua's injury is very minor. It was more precautionary. They're losing anyway, which I agree with doing. Not enough teams do that. Um, looking at you, Jacksonville. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence was here, hurt too, but he came back. But I was highly questioning the reason he was coming back in a blowout. But those were bad. And I, you hope Lamar is going to be able to play. I still haven't had a report on him. But Jimmy Garoppolo was really bad because he's out for the season now. Like I said before. Horrible injury luck for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. But here's another bad that might line up with San Fran. Baker Mayfield was just released. Was this a setup for San Francisco to uh, pick him up? I am not that sure. But another thing I'm not that sure of is if Baker Mayfield right now is better than Brock Purdy or if in six weeks he can be better than Brock Purdy. Because Baker Mayfield doesn't know San Francisco's offense or Kyle Shanahan's playbook, right? So picking him up now, I guess maybe as a backup, but I think your best bet might just be working on uh, Brock Purdy and seeing how far you can take him. Seattle laying points is bad. That was bad for me, uh, even though they're playing a horrible Rams team. And the reason I did it is because the Rams were always top heavy. They had those big top contracts, so they couldn't pay for anybody. Well, the nobodies they had that would be third string on other teams were good enough to uh, stop Seattle in the red zone. It was really just two players that stopped them. It was former Seattle Seahawk Bobby Wagner, an inside linebacker, and Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> you know, a little bit of Taylor Rapp as well. But the rest of the team, pretty much garbage. But those two players completely stopped the Seattle Seahawks. The fact that Georgia has to face Ohio State in the playoffs is bad. I'm sorry, it's bad. And it's just the way the system has worked. It's got flaws in it. Let's look at team rankings, power ratings. Georgia number one, Ohio State number two. Let's look at my power ratings. Georgia one, Ohio State, and eh, close to Michigan, number two and three, arguably, and Jeff Sagarin's power ratings, Georgia number one, Ohio State number two. So Georgia's kind of getting punished for being the best team and having to face Ohio State, who had the hiccup against another top four team. Well, TCU, who hasn't beaten a top four team, gets the three spot. But why punish TCU when they played the extra game? This is where the whole conflict kind of comes in, and that is bad and something that 12 football team committee would hopefully fix yeah maybe they would reseed them after the first game or two i don't know how the 12 playoffs is going to work but anything's better than this system um giants washington i guess that's bad for their fans a tie always sucks it's bad for survivor players so even though i had the game at about a pick them it still was kind of bad that they ended in a tie nobody loves ties and deshaun watson he was bad and they didn't win that game based on Deshaun Watson, which brings us to the ugly. Let's get right into the Texans. They lost 24 to 14 with no offensive touchdowns and one field goal. Unreal. 
you know, when I bet the Texans at plus seven and picked them in the contest, I thought I, I smelled out Deshaun Watson being overrated, you know, or just not ready. I, it was a perfect spot, and that proved to be right. But what sucked was just the Lovey Smith coached Texans that gave up a special teams touchdown on a punt. Of course, that's going to happen, right? To Lovey Smith, and then the the fumble by Kyle Allen that has the smallest hands in football. You know, I thought Kyle Allen would be kind of like the same as a Davis Mills, but the team would kind of rally around him for a week or two. So they would try a little bit more, but it turned out that Allen's actually that much worse than Davis Mills doing that on the goal line, completely blowing the cover, no offensive touchdowns in one field goal, 27 to 14. That was bad. Coastal Carolina's defense. Holy cow. Was that bad? And wow, was that under completely toast by the first half? You know, I expected, I knew it was raining. I just expected Coastal Carolina to score no more than three points and Troy no more than like 17 points because Troy's offense isn't good. Well, instead, Troy scores like 30-some points and then just goes into uh, prevent the whole second half, allowing Coastal Carolina and Grayson McCall to come in and score a bunch of garbage touchdowns. Well, that didn't bode well for the under, or sorry, for the over. And as a matter of fact, Troy at 45 points almost hit the over all by themselves. Another ugly, the Jets red zone. One for six in red zone touchdowns. They outgained the Vikings by 200 freaking yards. That box score says the Jets should have won this game by 17 or 20 points. Absolutely lopsided. Extremely ugly for the Jets. Mike White just could not get it in the end zone. And I also blame Salah on that. That's something that they should have worked on more is those red zone situations. But that's what happens when a backup quarterback comes in. The red zone, everything tightens up. You don't have to worry about the deep pass, and it's a lot harder to get it in. You have to have perfectly timed balls. The best teams can do it easy. The Bills, the Chiefs, you know, the Bengals. And then finally, Nebraska beating Creighton on the road. <laughs> that was my one win on Sunday in college basketball. Was really happy to bet Nebraska. I had a nice little sprinkle on the money line that I don't count either, but that was uh, plus 600. And Nebraska going to Creighton and beating them. Creighton, a top 10 team in most people's rankings. And good old Nebraska, the worst team from last year in the Big Ten, come just a totally lopsided situation. And you know what? It was in state. A dog in state like that, both teams from power conferences, you got to take the dog in that situation. It was a smelly bet, hold your nose. But it was that situation where that team felt extremely disrespected and they ended up coming up with the win. Put your drawers on and take your gun off. All right, now it's time for college football. Week 14, championship week, misleading final scores. And this is the last week of this. TCU outgained Kansas State 469 to 404, yet lost in overtime 31 to 28. A 2 to 1 turnover ratio hurt them. Coastal Carolina's yards were all garbage time, so not even going to talk about that one. And LSU, same situation, getting blown out. Georgia softens up the defense into prevent. Boise State outgained Fresno State 321 to 245, yet lost 28 to 16, a 2 to 0 turnover ratio, and a freshman quarterback hurt the Broncos. 
North Carolina, throw those guards as well into garbage time. Purdue outgained Michigan 456 to 386, yet lost 43 to 22. A two to one turnover ratio and just poor red zone hurt the Boilermakers. Now, it's not misleading as in, you know, they should have won the game because we know Michigan's defense is great when it needs to be. It's misleading that they probably should have covered the spread looking at 456 to 386. No college football betting spots, but I will have a bull motivation article coming out. NFL Week 13 misleading final scores in the biggest one of the season, maybe. The Jets outgained the Vikings 486 to 287, yet lost 27 to 22, a 2 to 0 turnover ratio, and just horrible red zone efficiency killed the Jets. Washington outgained the New York Giants 411 to 316, yet tied. 20 to 20 equal turnovers bad special teams and bad red zone really kind of hurt the commies the seahawks outgained the rams 438 to 319 yet only 127 to 23 equal turnovers but poor red zone hurt the birds there that should have been a bigger score and the bears outgained the packers 409 to 357 yet lost 28 to 19 a three to zero justin fields turnover special really killed the bears NFL Week 14 betting spots. We're going to let down spots. Cincinnati hosting Cleveland after beating Kansas City is a maybe. The Raiders at the Rams after beating the Chargers is one. And so those are the only two let down spots, really. The get up spots, Jacksonville at Tennessee after being schooled by Detroit's a get up spot. And Seattle looking past Carolina for the look ahead spot to San Francisco is very possible. I'm not going to say San Francisco's going to look past Tampa. Well, first of all, it's Tampa, and number two, they lost their quarterback, so that kind of takes that one away. But since, but Seattle seriously could be looking past Carolina in this situation. We already gave you the free play of Wisconsin versus Oklahoma State under 48.5, so let's get on to a little fantasy football with our guy, D-Nasty. All right, we're back with some fantasy football week 14. We got our guy D-Nasty back. Dave, how the heck you doing after that epic collapse by the New Orleans Saints? That uh, was pretty crazy. Crazy game. Brady's leading the comeback like always. He's goat for a reason. <laughs> he, he is. Um, you know, but at the same time, it was more about the Saints being stupid. You know, yeah. um, they... Uh, running out of bounds when you could have just dived for the first down Mark Ingram and then Allen throwing the ball on third and one with like four minutes left and then punting it. It's like if you're going to do third and one and you're up, what, uh, were they up six points or or 13 at the time? I think they're up, yeah, they're up 13 points. <laughs> he freaking just, I mean, there's just been the stupidest decisions I've I've seen made in football this year, man. It's like, how do these guys get head coaching jobs, Dave? No, exactly. Nice to see the Packers uh, beat the Bears again for their second win this year against the Bears. Uh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. that was that was more about. I mean, here's the thing: you helped our draft pick for one, so thank you. Um, you'll be watching the playoffs from your couch as well, so thank you again. And. Uh, the Bears choked that kind of. It was like they're up, you know, by the nineteen points or something. It was, it was, it was a, they're up by a lot, and then 
Equimus-St. Brown just did a lazy route, and Jari Alexander grabbed that interception very easily. It, it, I expected the Packers to do it because that's just how the Bears – the Bears are a bad team just like the Saints. You know, bad teams find ways to lose like good teams find ways to win. But that was more about the Bears just finding a way to lose. But, you know, my season win total on the Bears under 6.5 is certainly looking good. <laughs> <laughs> but what's not looking good, Dave, is bye weeks. And it's week 14. And there's a few of them, isn't there? There is, yes. There's quite a few buys this week. This has got to be one of the worst bye weeks this week. Uh, first team on buy is the Falcons. Uh, a lot of people aren't starting many Falcons, though. So maybe uh, Drake London, maybe possibly Mar- Marcus Mariota, uh, maybe Patterson at running back or Algier. Uh, you're probably not splitting those guys, though, because they're splitting carries right now. Uh, but those are a few of the notables from the Falcons. Bears, Justin Fields, that's a big one, actually. Justin Fields has been playing well. Uh, he even torched the Packers this past week. So uh, he's not by David Montgomery, some people might be starting him now with uh, Herbert out. Uh, and then receiver-wise, probably not really, really starting any Bears receiver, so I'm not going to really go there. But uh, definitely Justin Fields is the big guy, and David Montgomery, the two main pieces on the Bears. Packers, we got a couple guys in the Packers that you might be starting. Uh, Christian Watson has come on of late, eight touchdowns in his last four games. Uh, he's been on fire. So a lot of fantasy people are going to miss him this week, along with Aaron Rodgers, of course. Uh, Ellen Lazard's borderline. Uh, but then you got Aaron Jones and, and – Dylan as well at running back. So uh, a couple running backs and, and Aaron Rodgers, are the, A.J. Dillon and the Aaron Jones are going to be the key guys at running back. And then Aaron Rodgers, of course. Uh, but he's a borderline starter right now, I think, though. Anyways, uh, Colts, uh, you probably not start many people on the Colts as well. Maybe Michael Pittman, possibly. Uh, Paris Campbell, if you're really desperate. Matt Ryan, possibly, if you're desperate for a quarterback. Uh, Saints, just watch that ugly collapse just now. Uh, Andy Dalton, possibly Chris Olove, uh, the nice up and coming rookie wide receiver. Uh, Alvin Kamara, of course, he's a top five back, but he hasn't been playing with like it the last three four weeks though. So, uh, just really Justin Fields is a big part. Of, you know, it's funny, Dave. It, it, this is just how incompetent the NFL is run. I mean, fantasy football week fourteen is important. It's right before the playoffs. This is going to make or break people making the playoffs, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And and, and you have six teams on by that week. You know, I mean, if, if you were that team that was just unlucky, let's just say you scored like the second most points in fantasy, and this has happened to all of us, but every te- time you play somebody, they just happen to have their best game. And so you're like, you know, six and seven right now, right? Trying to make the playoffs. And all of a sudden you have Justin Fields, and then maybe you have uh, Terry McLaurin, and then maybe you have Watson, maybe you have Jonathan Taylor or, or whoever. This is just epic destruction for you. You know, it's just so stupid you have six teams. on. There should be two teams on by week 14. I don't care what anyone says, man. No, I agree. Yeah, and why I have it this late in the year, too, the players need it halfway through the year. You shouldn't be having buys this late in the season anyways. This is when they're making their playoff push and stuff, too, and then the players want to play. But, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, another big one. He's a top five back along with Alvin Kamara. Those are going to be your top two backs that are out this week. And we've got a couple notable quarterbacks, like you said, Fields, Rodgers, uh, Taylor Heineke's actually been playing really well. Terry McLaren. Uh, Brian Robinson's actually been playing really well. And Antonio Gibson, too, at running back. So uh, a lot of key players out this week. Uh, at least two, three top quarterbacks. And then quite a few running, two, three, at least top running backs as well. So 
Uh, you're losing quite a few fantasy players this week at a key junction, like you were saying. Yeah, for sure. It's a terrible spot. Let's get into our key injuries then. And I obviously have the big one, Jimmy Garoppolo. Niners bad luck, just losing quarterbacks, uh, broken foot out for the season. There's some ligament damage there, too, in his foots. So um, he ain't coming back. That's tough for them. Lamar Jackson with a knee injury is week to week. And Harbaugh said days to weeks. We don't know yet. And uh, maybe you know better. But I think uh, this is still kind of a fresh injury and still more awaits here. Yeah, there's no word on the MRI yet that, from what they were saying. So they haven't had released any information yet tonight on, if, on his MRI today yet. So we'll have to wait and see on that one, actually, unfortunately. Right, right, right. Hayden Hurst is out with a calf. He's at uh, Bengals tight end. Uh, wide receiver Corton Sutton out with a hammy. Quarterback Matthew Stafford now has a spinal cord contusion is what they're saying, and he's probably out for the season, Dave. And uh, running back Kenneth Walker the third got ruled out with a jammed ankle, and I was like, a jammed ankle? What the hell's that? I, I don't know what that is. I never. It doesn't that. sound good, actually. It doesn't sound good. That's, it almost sounds worse than a sprain if it's a jammed exactly. ankle. Uh, we'll see. We'll monitor that. Uh, and wide receiver Traylon Burks, another concussion. That's not good for Traylon Burks there in the Titans. But uh, that's my key injuries. What am I missing? Uh, then we got two uh, Tonga I know I said the name wrong, but uh, he he's coming back, though. I, did, I thought about mentioning him. Yeah, and then we got David Bell, the up and coming rookie, too, uh, left with a hand injury against the Texans. Uh, Michael Carter suffered an ankle injury and returned for one play before departing for the rest of the game against Minnesota. So uh, he's not going to be back. Quez Watkins, too, he's been playing really well lately. Uh, shoulder injury. Uh, like you said, though, Garoppolo is the biggest one. David Long, a key IDP guy, hamstring injury for him. So uh, he might not play this next week, and he's one of the top linebackers out there as well. Yep, yep, for sure. Let's move on to the waiver wire, Dave. Who do you got? Uh, my, my number one waiver wire guy right now, Jared Goff, only owning 50% of leagues right now. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings is who he's playing next. Uh, they've given up 340 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars previous week. And then the previously before that, they gave up 369 yards to Mike White and 382 yards to Mac Jones. So one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Uh, Jared Goff could get you into the playoffs. He could be that guy that uh, gets you over the hump this week if he is out there on the waiver wire. So definitely pick him up. A couple running backs of note. James Cook. Uh, he took over this backfield last Thursday night. You might have forgot about that Thursday night game already, but I did not. Uh, he led the team in rushing yards, carries, and catches. He had 64 to 51 in yards, carries 14 to 13 for Singletary, and catches he had 6 to 0. So six catches to Singletary's 0, and then he had receiving yards 41 to 0. So I don't know. He, he could be changing over the guard for there, and he might be taking over that back for a little bit, but he had 43% snap rate too. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, uh, the two running backs for the Kenneth Walker injury, uh, definitely want to pick up. I'm thinking Homer right now because DJ Dallas did get hurt in that game as well. That's one of the injuries we didn't talk about, but he did get hurt. Uh, he did come back into play a little bit, though, but uh, I don't see him playing this next week, though, possibly. Uh, so he's a guy you want to definitely pick up. Travis Homer is the guy you definitely want in that backfield. Uh, Jordan Mason, uh, he operated as the backup to Christian McCaffrey this past week, uh, and he played quite a bit, actually, too. And he would be a nice handcuff for if CMC does have any more injuries. Uh, he could push for double-digit 
carries too because Elijah Mitchell was getting quite a few carries even with CMC there. Uh, he ran well. He told 51 yards and eight carries. So definitely got to keep an eye on. Uh, Michael Gallup only owned 51% of leagues. Uh, he's seen at least seven targets in three of the Cowboys' last four games. So uh, he's definitely coming on. A guy I really like this week, actually, is DJ Shark for the Jaguars. I have one of my dynasty leagues. He was just garbage this whole year, but not the last three weeks, actually. He's really come on. Uh, he's played 73%, 84% of the snaps in the last two games. Uh, he had 98 yards and five catches this past week. So uh, he's definitely coming on now. Like I said, they're playing Minnesota, one of the worst pass defenses. So definitely a guy you want to plug into your lineup. Him and Goff are two of your key guy pickups this week with the matchup they have against the poor Minnesota pass defense. For also, sure. Go ahead. Nico Collins... Uh, only rostered in 29% of leagues. Uh, he's actually one of those guys that he's that he's up and coming to. He's a young receiver. Uh, he either scored a touchdown or gone for 40 receiving yards in eight of his 10 games this year, which you wouldn't realize. And Cooks was out this past week as well. So uh, keep an eye on if Cooks is going to play or not. But definitely uh, Collins could be the number one there. Uh, he, he's got a low floor and a higher ceiling. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, hey, with Cooks out, though, he's going to get the targets. He got 10 targets this past week. So uh, that, that if they repeat that this next week, he's going to get those targets. So that's all you're looking for. Give him an opportunity. Uh, Devontae Parker with the Patriots, 14% owned. Uh, the last couple of weeks, he's logged in snap rates of 87%, 85% the past two games. And he had eight targets, six catches for 96 yards. So uh, he's steadily been taking over that wide receiving core there as well. Uh, and then the tight end sleeper, we've talked about him in the past, Greg Dulcich for the Broncos. Uh, they have a good matchup this week. Uh, Sutton could possibly be out this week, so there's going to be some more targets to go around. Uh, but definitely he had 40-plus yards in four of his seven games. Uh, and he had a very nice game this past week as well. So definitely a guy you want to take a look at picking up. Yeah, the, you said a lot of them, but they're important because you have six buys and you have the two major quarterback injuries uh, with Jimmy G and Lamar Jackson. So um, I think you got to grab Bar Brock Purdy, and I don't know if he's going to be the long term for the Niners, but at least in the short term, he's going to be doing it. And you got playoffs. If you're desperate, you might have to play him. But here's the good news you have a great offensive mind and Kyle Shanahan behind you. You might get some dink and duck touch touchdowns, you know, short passes, screen pass touchdowns and stuff. Um, so he could be a flyer. I almost like Tyler Huntley a little bit better, though. If Lamar is going to be out three or four weeks, that's your playoffs. I think Tyler Huntley has got a, a good system behind him, and he's going to get some rushing touchdowns and rushing yards for you as well. So I really like that. And great call on Jared Goff, only 50% of leagues. That's insanity. This Lions offense is absolutely balling right now. And, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and just just doing fantastic we have a, a quick question here yo who do you y'all think is the number one waiver priority from super c and b challengers waiver priority you mean waiver pickup of the week i'm guessing is what they're asking yeah i, I would say tyler huntley i would agree huntley with with you so he, he's in the same scheme as lamar jackson he's a he's a running running quarterback kind of like Lamar the system's already set up for him to succeed and he's played well in the past when Lamar's been out I definitely would make target him as my number one if you need a quarterback I, I agree and it just depends upon who's out there but Huntley's going to be the number one guy if you don't need a quarterback I would say probably a guy like DJ Chark would be pretty important he's really balling over there and Devontae Parker's got a great matchup against the Cardinals D the Cardinals D is very bad and 
they have a good shot over there. Um, Nico Collins has a low floor, so he could cost you a playoff game. So I'd be careful with him. But what I will say is if you're going to bid for these guys and you got money, throw it at them. Because um, a lot of people are bidding high this week if they are desperate to get in the playoffs. So you have to obviously decide how desperate you are if you're already in the playoffs and you're just playing from a a go down to a five to a four seed or a six to a three maybe it's not as important but uh just keep that in mind that bidding might be high um i had james cook 14 carries and six receptions for the bills only owned in 24 percent of yahoo leagues dave james cook we've said him before but i wanted to say him one last time agree on the rest of them um, for sure. Uh, tight end Mitchell Wilcox, by the way, is the backup for Hayden Hurst. So monitor that a little bit. Maybe grab him if you're playing Hayden Hurst. I mean, if you're playing Hayden Hurst, you're probably a little desperate yourself. But, um, uh, you know, that's just who the backup is for the deeper leagues. Let's move on to non-starters trending up for week 14. Wide receiver Matt Collins versus the Rams will probably um, not be put with Darius Slayton. Um yeah, the Raiders play the Rams on Thursday, and I think that uh, Slayton's going to be on Adams, Devontae Adams. So I can see Mac Hollins kind of running a little free, Dave. So just a little sneaky play for you. Uh, wide receiver DJ Chark, we already said his name a couple times, against the Vikings would be a good matchup right there. You have uh, wide receiver Christian Kirk, too, uh, versus the Titans. Bad pasty, I like. Uh, wide receiver Adam Thielen versus the Lions should work. I actually like the over in that game, so <laughs> there you go. Yeah, they're still a lot of points in that game, I think. The Lions have been putting up a lot of points, and their defense still isn't that good either, so I, I definitely like that, too. Yeah, Chris Olave, too. I know he uh, you know, is on a loser's team, but they're playing the Falcons, and that's still a big matchup for them. And the Falcons still believe they're in, but they're probably not going to be after this week. Uh, running back Gus Edwards might finally make some noise with the backup quarterback because short targets, throw the running back. They're probably going to run the ball a little bit too. So I, I do see Huntley running, but I also see Gus Edwards finally doing something for this team. Last week, they were kind of on the back of their heels against a good Denver D. And running back Jeff Wilson versus the Chargers D. I like him as a non-starter trending up this week. You can probably throw Mostert in there as well. Dave, who do you got? Uh, yeah, I like Mac Jones actually against that poor Cardinals defense as well. Uh, he put up three, over 300 yards a couple weeks ago, so I definitely uh, he's been playing a little bit better as well. So I like him against that poor Cardinals D. Uh, I do like Deontay Foreman against the Seattle's defense. There's, their defense is still not that good. Uh, I do like that matchup. Uh, I agree with you against the Titans. I like Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk against the, the poor Titans defense, and even Zay Jones if he kind of he kind of reemerges again there like he did a couple weeks ago. Uh, I do like Tyler Huntley against the Pittsburgh Steelers D. Him uh, starting against them, I do like that matchup. I do like Brock Purdy too against the Buccaneers. Buccaneers didn't look that good against the Saints tonight, uh, and their their secondary still isn't that good. I like Brock Purdy. Mister Revelant is Revelant now, so uh, Mister Revelant is, is going to be starting the rest of the year. So I do like him. Uh, so I agree with you on some of those other guys too that you did mention. I like that Vikings Lions matchup. I keep an eye on Jamison Williams, Williams too, who's coming back from the ACL injury, the rookie. Um, he, he's actually played a little bit last week, and he could come on even more now. The Lions might start throwing to him a little bit even more. But I do like DJ Shark, like you were saying, Adam Thielen. I agree with you on both of those. I like Michael Gallup this week against the Texans. 
Uh, I think they're going to just crush the Texans. So uh, I, I like that matchup. I like Mike Way this week against the Bills. I know the Bills do have a tough defense, but uh, he's been slinging him, man. He threw up 300 yards this past week again, and Garrett Wilson's been on fire the last two weeks. So I do like those two guys. And I like Brandon Powell uh, for the Rams against that poor Raiders defense. Yeah, Brandon Powell. Well, you know, um, see what happens with the Rams. Wolford looks pretty pretty piss poor over there. So we'll see uh, how the Rams uh, fare after this week. The bus, Dave, who's going to lose week 14 for us? All right. Uh, Well, again, any Texans player is going to lose for you this week. Do not start any Texans player against the number one ranked Cowboys defense. Uh, Their defense is tough. Do not play anyone against them. Uh, Do not like Daniel Jones against the Eagles. The Eagles defense has been looking better now. Uh, they got their run stoppers back. They signed a couple guys. They signed Sue. They got Jordan Davis back. I don't like Barkley this week either uh, against the Eagles. D. I think their their run defense is starting to st- be solidified now. So I, I don't like that matchup as well. Uh, I do not like the Broncos against anyone right now. The Broncos just look horrible. Uh, I'm downgrading all the Broncos this week, even though the Chiefs' defense is not that good. Uh, the Broncos only put up nine points this week and lost ten to nine on a last second touchdown by Huntley. That is just horrible. That team, that team might have quit too, Dave. You know, it's yeah, like it's uh, I, I'd be hard pressed to start a Bronco. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm downgrading them. They would definitely lose for a, a playoff match for you this week. So definitely downgrading them. Uh, I do not like the Bucks against the tough 49ers. D. The 49ers D has just been playing awesome these last couple weeks. Uh, I don't like that matchup. Uh, I'm going to downgrade Mr. Brady, and I'm going to downgrade Evans and Godwin too against that tough 49ers D. And Rashad White and Fournette, I don't think you have many running lanes either. So downgrading most of the, especially the running game. I think that Brady will still get his, but uh, I don't like White or Fournette, that was especially against the 49ers tough D this week. And then I do, do not like the running back. I don't like James Conner against the Patriots. Patriots actually have a pretty good defense, so I don't like Conner this week. I'm downgrading him as well. Yeah, yeah, Connor. It's <laughs> that's another team, Arizona. That's hard to figure out. Um, we had a question, Dave, from Trey. Why don't you take this one? Full PPR, drop Conk- Conklin, and pick up uh, dull cheats for uh, ROS. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Conklin hasn't been playing that well, but and they they have a tough matchup against the Bills this week. Uh, Chiefs don't have a good run defense, so I do like the great Dulcich pickup, and I would definitely go with him. Yeah, the good thing about him is that there's so many people down for the Broncos receiver-wise, K.J. Hamler, now Sutton. You know that... Um, Jerry still bringing up, and he was, he didn't really play much this. I don't even think he played that much this past week. He looked, either as yeah, well. I think he was out a lot that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got to drop Conklin. I know, I do. What I like about Conklin is that White throws him to him, and that's kind of a good thing for a backup quarterback. But uh, they're playing the Bills. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I think this. And they're playing at Buffalo too, which is even worse. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, it could be a snowy day. You know, it's. Uh, Del Cheech is the the good one, I think, this week. So great question, Trey. Thank you. So I agree with most of those busts, Dave. I Travis Etienne versus the Titans is a little suspect. I think Titans have a really good D. Etienne's been banged up. Running back Najee Harris versus the Ravens D is difficult, too, if you got Najee. Ugh. Yeah, I agree with that one. That's a tough one. Leonard Fournette versus the 49ers is kind of bad. There've been through, It's been mostly white there, it seems. So um, I, I don't like him either. 
But then again, uh, you know, I, I think the way to beat the Niners is over the top. You have to attack their secondary. You can't screw around with running backs. Uh, quarterback Daniel Jones versus the Eagles is rough, in my opinion. You know, their Eagles are six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road there. Wide receiver Darius Slayton versus the Eagles isn't good either. Don't like a lot of the passing game for the Giants. I do like the running game, though, obviously, a guy like Saquon against the Eagles. Uh, tight end George Kittle versus the Buccaneers for obvious reasons. You got the quarterback. I normally like the quarterback throwing, but I mean, the Buccaneers has a good, they have a good front on their defense. You saw them kind of, you know, really slow down. It's not like they completely stuffed the uh, Saints tonight, but I even hate Brandon Ayuk more and I hate Ayuk the rest of the season. Now that they're going to have a backup. Uh, I think that the receivers get hurt a lot more uh, being the Jimmy G injury. And you have Brock Purdy throwing to, Brandon Ayuk, I think he's toast for the season. That's a tough one right there. No, I agree. You're definitely downgrading Debo even a little bit too, but you're still starting him. But Debo's even going to suffer a little bit because of that as well. Yeah, I, I also downgrade all the Ravens receivers. You know, I think he throws to the tight end, but Devin Duvernay and some of those other guys, Deshaun Jackson, you know, the guys in the Ravens that just that's just going to be pure luck if you get that. You know, he, one of them will hit. I don't know who which one, but it's. That's a tough one. The Steelers still have Minka Fitzpatrick out there, as far as I know, and and TJ Watt's a little banged up, but he still pass rushing. So those are my busts, Dave. Uh, let's get on to our nasty sleeper, Dave, and this is important for Week 14. Who do you got? I'm going Jared Goff. Uh, Jared Goff is my D-nasty sleeper of the week. Uh, he's been playing really well. He's playing that poor Vikings pass defense. I'm going with Jared Goff as my D-nasty sleeper of the week. That's a great one right there. <laughs> I think he could be a big winner this week. I'm going to go with Gus Edwards, and I've never, I haven't said him. He's been injured most of the year, but I think this is the week he finally wakes up. If you look at the Steelers' defense against the run, and I've mentioned this before, they ranked dead last, giving up 143.8 rushing yards per game. That's what the Niners or the, the Ravens are going to do in this situation. They don't want to have to have Huntley pass a lot. Huntley will be running too. But I think that Gus Edwards has a monster game, Dave. So No, I agree. I like that one as well. Awesome. Anything else before we go? No. Uh, I just give you a nice little salute like Aaron Rodgers did to the Bears. <laughs> Does that mean he's leaving next year and giving your the fifty million bucks back to you guys? Probably not. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys have any questions. <laughs> we'll talk about this next year. Uh, if you guys have any questions, feel free to tweet us at the Oddsbreakers. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week and go get some winners.